to Newcastle United as their full-time manager. I'll start with you, Viv. Is it good? Is it bad? What are your thoughts on on this move? Yeah, look, I'm. It's intriguing. You know, uh, I was surprised when I heard the news. He's obviously a quality manager. He had a great, what, eight years or so, and maybe a second stint over Bournemouth time, and pro- you know proved himself to be quite a great manager, getting them up into the the, the top division and and actually having a great first year. Um, I, I look for me the kind of money that's come into the club up there on um, up, up up by uh, in the tune. Uh, it's it's surprising that they didn't go and try and headhunt someone with a bit more higher caliber, maybe some higher caliber across Europe. Um, so, is he a great manager? Yeah, I, I think he's a, a good young manager. Is it a surprise for me? Yeah, pretty surprising. Do you I don't think Scotty's um, thoughts? Do you, Do you think Scotty that Newcastle United are making this move, sort of, you know, anticipating the future, knowing at the moment it's a bit difficult to lure a top European manager in? And instead going, okay, we can get Eddie Howe in. He'll crack into the top half of the Premier League. He'll attract some decent quality players, start to instill some decent philosophy. And then when the time's right, we'll cut his head off and bring in someone powerful in Europe. Is, do you think that's sort of the strategy from their point of view? I, I can only assume so. Um, it's, it's a bit of a strange one. The whole situation around their manager, obviously they had uh, Emery come in and not take the job after pretty much announcing him. You know, they mm. went to the media and said he was coming and then he's declined the job. And it kind of seems like they're just going down the list, almost like Tottenham did in the summer, trying to find a manager who will actually take the gig. Do you think it's the right appointment though, Scott? Or, or do you think it's, you I, know, I think it's an excellent. I think it's an excellent appointment. I think Eddie Howe, um, especially after being relegated with Bournemouth, probably has something to prove. Um, but on top of that, I mean, if you saw what he did with Bournemouth, as I know you boys did, um, he can play some amazing football, and with the money to be spent there at Newcastle, I think he'll do some uh, some damage to some of the big boys. Well, we're going to talk mm. about the money factor um, soon enough, but I mean, I'm I'm very happy for this appointment. I'm I'm glad that they've appointed someone like Howe. I think he's got tremendous experience. He's an absolute professional. Plays brilliant football. The players respect him too. Um, the I think the greatest challenge he's going to have in the short run is attracting top quality players for yep. two reasons. One, obviously, you know, he doesn't have that reputation. I, I mean that with, with genuine respect. But second of all, the club he's representing now really doesn't have a big reputation in Europe or in the Premier League in general. So I think it's going to be a bit tricky to get those players on. Viv, what do you, what do you think, you know, if you're Eddie Howe and, and you've taken this job, you know that these challenges are going to occur. How yeah. do you think you, you'd be looking at resolving and moving forward? Yeah, like your point, your points were really prominent, Has because like you, you mentioned, you know, attracting talent and kind of setting the club up for, you know, its next phase. Strategically, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me from a takeover perspective. You know, this, the club, the, 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 the groundswell of momentum now behind the club with all this money coming in, this, re, you know, renewed energy. You know, Eddie Howe's a great manager, but does he attract the kind of quality of talent that they can afford to go and hunt now? I mean, the, the players don't sign just for a manager, but obviously the manager plays a significant role in in in, in the attraction to a club of a, of a player, of a potential player, and especially a young player. So, you know, you know high-priced young talent across Europe, is Eddie Howe a calling card to come and live in the north of England? I, I'm not sure. And let's not let, let's not forget, you know, he was a, a player coach. He came out in his late twenties by memory, um, and went straight into managing Bournemouth. So, from an experience perspective, he's been Bournemouth and done good things. I think he had a stint at Burnley, 
That's right. Maybe, yeah. yeah. And and then back to Bournemouth, had I think he strung four or five good years together, mm-hmm. and then the club was relegated. So, looking, you know, does if New look if last thing on this, if Newcastle's looking at this a, as a get a squad together, get some momentum up, then we'll chop him off and invest in another manager. What does that do to the locker room? What does that do to the club? I'm not sure. It doesn't feel strategically the best move. It's funny because a few weeks ago we spoke about, um, you know, that that Manchester City team once the money came in from the Etihad group and, and, and the journey they went on, the transition. I mean, you remember they had some pretty decent players uh, compared to the calibre now, like Stephen mm. Ireland and the, the world's greatest <laughs> own goal scorer in Richard Dunn. Um, <laughs> All those names are obviously foreign now. You know, they don't have trophies. They're they're not in the Hall of Fame, all the rest of it. Mm. I I can't see the majority of the Newcastle squad right now being part of that future plan. And and I I, I completely agree with your point, uh, Viv. But I guess the the hypothetical question out there for everyone, and I want to get Scott's point of view on this, is, I mean, if you're Newcastle, you've got all this money, you've got a pretty shitty reputation. Who do you sign and who are you actually capable of signing from a manager point of view? Mm. Look, I think I think from a manager point of view, they've got to go after someone like a Howe. I don't think they have the the draw yet for someone bigger. Um, I would have loved to see someone like Ten Hag take over because I love what he's doing um, over at Ajax, but um, I'm not I'm not sure they have the pull for that yet. Obviously, they're not in any kind of European football. They're still in a relegation battle now, so it's mm. it's, it's a big challenge. And uh, mm. to touch on to touch on Viv's point a little bit about you know their, their signings and will it be good for the locker room? I don't know if you guys remember back when Man City was taken over and, and Pellegrini came in. Um, I don't think they're going to be pulling anyone too big now. Anyway, they they first were aiming for was it Kaka they were aiming for? He just won the Ballon d'Or. They were mm. trying to get him in, yeah. And they ended up getting who? Robinho. Robinho, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's going to be a similar story. They're going to aim big, but they're not going to have that that call yet to get anyone big in. Scotty, in the first six episodes of this podcast, you've corrected me a hundred times, I'd say. So I just want to take this opportunity to correct you. It wasn't um, it wasn't Pellegrini. It was Mancini. Get your facts right. Oh, fuck. Mate. Of course it was right. Mancini. Get your facts right. Otherwise, I'll That's replace you. <laughs> I've got people lined up wanting – they're dying to be on this podcast. Scotty, I'll replace you in a heartbeat. Get your facts right, son. Now, <laughs> he, he was only after Mark Hughes, though, right? That's right. Mate, yeah, that was Because Hughes was already oh, in the chair. Yeah. I, I heard uh, Chengy's dying for a spot back on the podcast, mate. This might be a chance. <laughs> Bring him in. I had a chat with him this morning, actually. Yeah. So, um, Chengy, if you're listening, we love you, bro. <laughs> and we can't wait to welcome you back next week when we ditch Scott. Um, <laughs> Scotty, here's your chance to redeem yourself. Aston Villa have, have parted ways with um, a manager that I think is absolute class. I, I love him to death. I think he's done a tremendous, tremendous job at that club. Uh, considering what he's worked with. It's a shame that John Terry left last season. I think that's been, been a really significant factor into their performance. Um, Slipped on his way out. He's, hey, nice one, Viv, <laughs> nice one. All class. Um, have have Villa acted prematurely here? And f- first of all, did they make the right decision? Second of all, who's going to replace him and why? Go, Scotty. Redeem yourself, son. Yes, they made the right decision. All right. Uh, and this is coming from a Chelsea point of view. So I'm probably a little bit um, kind of used to the idea of sacking managers pretty quickly. Um, but yes, if, if you look at the form, if you look at what that team's capable of and what they're actually doing, I think he had to go. Um, but that being said, where they go from here, all the rumors are Gerard's coming in. So whether or not that's accurate, we'll, we'll have to find out. What do you think? 
Well, Scotty, I'm, I'm more interested in the opinion of the dog that's barking in the background, mate. I, I, don't, I don't know if you're genuinely doing this podcast at the pub, but I've specifically warned you. Mate, that's strike two. I mean, first, you get your managers wrong. Two, you do your podcast at the local pub. I mean, mate, what's happened? Then he you, used to be the saviour of this show. Then you, <laughs> then you suggest Villa bringing in the third best English midfielder in Premier League history. <laughs> To manage, oh, to manage Villa, Viv, mate. Now, Villa, now Villa at sixteenth, right? Villa are sixteenth on a slide. They're what? Are, how many points off the relegation battle are they? Let me just have a look here. They're they're two points off relegation zone. Were they right to sack Dean Smith? A hundred percent. The club's on a slide. They've got a great squad, and they're just slipping. They're slipping and slipping and slipping. So I don't. I'm not sure that it's it's completely unjustified. But the problem that Villa have now is the same problem that Newcastle have, except minus three hundred trillion dollars is who are they going to attract to the club to come in and bring them out of a relegation battle. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of talk about Steven Gerrard. I mean, you know, if you were Stevie G, would you take the job? Like, I mean, he, he's got it pretty good up at Rangers. He's doing a tremendous job. He's becoming a bit of an icon up there. Mm. Um, it's it's And I'll tell you, it's not easy in the Scottish League. I know it's a two-horse race, but the other horse is actually quite decent. So he's doing a really good job with Rangers. Would, would you leave or would you, if you were Steven Gerrard, would you hang around and say, okay, Klopp's probably got another five, ten seasons to go and I'll just slip in after him? What would you do? Uh, mate, look, it's all up to Steven Gerrard and his, and his legacy and what he wants to become as a football manager. Look at Lampard, what happened. You know, I'm not sure where John Terry goes from this, but that generation of great English footballers going into management, Wayne Rooney did the same with Derby. Does he stay up there and stay comfortable? Good team, getting results, seems to be liked. <laughs> um, and does he come in here and really chance his arm? Now, it's obviously, it's a career-defining move, isn't it? Because he's going to come into a club and he's going to have to try and keep him up. Yeah. And does he have the the does he have what it takes downstairs to kind of take on that kind of challenge? Well, the other the other factor to that is, let's say he he does come to Villa, and for whatever reason it doesn't work, does he then jeopardise his future in the Premier League? Um, you know, semi Stephen. Um, Frank Lampard, Lampard because yeah. I, I, I'm still the biggest Frank Lampard fan as a manager. I, I think he was exceptional at Derby County. He was even better at Chelsea. I know Tuchel took him to another position, but Lampard has done a little bit of damage to his brand simply by going to a big club too early, in my opinion. Mm. Scotty, what are your thoughts on this, my man? And, and please keep the dog at bay. Thank you. For, first of all, I'm not going to have either of you bad-mouthing the best English midfielder to ever play the game. Oh, turn it up. <laughs> now, I think oh, Stevie G going to Aston Villa is a win-win-win. It's a win for Liverpool. They can see what he's like in the Premier League. It's a win for Stevie G coming to the Premier League as a manager is always going to be a win, right? And I think he will really benefit Villa. Um, I think he's a phenomenal manager. What he's doing over in the Scottish League is unreal. And I think he will take Villa to, to heights or the heights we saw them at last year. What's with this like obsession with Stevie G having to be shaped for to be the future Liverpool manager? Just because he's a darling of the club, you know, we've seen we've seen these train wrecks happen time and time again with 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 darlings of football clubs being earmarked as future successes of their you know their glory. I I think it's way too early. <laughs> it's way too early to be thinking about. Klopp's successor, you know, Liverpool are currently one of the best teams in Europe, and we're talking about a guy with some Scottish League experience being earmarked for the for their next generation. I don't know, man. I don't I don't buy into that romance. On, I'm sorry, Nate, Nate. Nate, if there's anything I can tell you, mate, looking at Manchester United, it's that former players are the best managers. Yeah, as a Chelsea fan, you'd say that, brother. <laughs> hey, Lampard <laughs> got us top four, mate. So did Ollie. 
Did he have a it's transfer ban? Ollie got a second. We got the silver <laughs> yeah. medal, remember, and Ollie. <laughs> and we got a, a Europa League runners-up medal as well. He's good at silver, bro. <laughs> Listen, Viv, mate, I've learned a few things in my life, and one thing I learned from Stephen Bradbury is don't ever be afraid to be coming in last because yep. something might give you a gold medal, all right? That's right. That's um, right. Speaking of, of sort of going from last and trying to get a gold medal, let's talk about Spurs for a minute because mm. they've pulled off this absolutely amazing signing in Antonio Conte, in my opinion. Um, I mean, when it first happened, I was depressed. I was pissed off. I went into work. I said to everyone, leave me the F alone. I don't want to talk about it because I was really gunning for, for Conte to join United. In saying that, though, the week has settled. I've watched them perform. And... You know, I've, I've heard a few of the actual professionals talking about um, Conte and, and what he's done at Chelsea and other clubs and all the rest of it and his style of football. And it got me thinking, you know what? Uh, part of me is starting to think maybe he wasn't the right fit for United and maybe we've dodged a bullet. And before you jump the gun, Scotty, I'm not saying he's better than Oli. <laughs> I am not saying that at all. I'm just saying, you know, we're, we're in a period now. We're going to talk about United later on, but we're in a period now where... You know, we can we can be choosy. We can wait for the right um, manager to come in because the board doesn't care. They're going to give Oli as much time as he wants. Have Spurs signed the right player for their future? And, and you know, what's Conte really going to bring to Tottenham? Scott, I'll kick it off with you. Well, f- first, first of all, I, I absolutely love Conte, despite the way that things kind of went with Chelsea. Um, I think he's a phenomenal manager and he will bring good things to them. I think they're genuinely in the top four race now, which is something we definitely weren't talking about prior to, to Nuno being sacked. Um, and assuming he can keep in line with the board, which I think is a very big assumption, especially giving um, that that uh, Levi's in charge there. But if, if he can, I think he'll bring phenomenal things to the club over the next few years. Viv, any thoughts on Conte? Yeah. Um, he's a mercenary, boys, mm. right? Like, he... It's probably what Spurs need right now, to be honest. They probably need someone to come in and give them a, a right kick up the ass. To be fair, um, I don't know. I don't know what Scott's smoking again this week, saying that they're top four material. They're currently ninth and they're dog shit. So does he drag? They're not. They're not an immediate contender. So he's gonna. He's got a job to do to pull them into fourth. But Scotty, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll let you. Um, you can have your rebuttal. Go on. Well, mate, I, I would say they're one of three teams that are going to finish ahead of United this year, aside from the three that we all know. Um, I think give Conte a couple of weeks and he'll whip him into shape pretty quickly. Okay, he'll so get, he'll get Kane firing and uh, he'll have that team defending well, which is obviously always been Conte's biggest thing. I'm I'm um, just going to cut you off there, Scott, because I asked you to to you know to have your chance to rebuttal and you've absolutely crashed it. Um, and and this is why you've you've screwed it up. There's two other clubs in London right now that mm-hmm. are looking like the real deal, and and I'm embarrassed to say. The second one, the first one is West Ham, credit to them. And I want to talk about them in a little bit more detail with you, gents. The second one is Arsenal. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm quite shocked that I'm saying this, but Arsenal seem like they have come back. They're playing really good football. And, you know, I'm not saying they're going to make the top four. I'm not as ludicrous as you, Scott, and I don't get as high as you do. Um, but two top clubs in London right now that are performing, I believe, better than Spurs. And I think we'll fin- finish higher than Spurs, in my opinion. Viv, talk talk to me about one of these two clubs and tell me what your thoughts are, mate. I'm I'm telling you now, you can you can write down today's date that Tottenham finished seventh at best, so you can write it down. Now Conte is a mercenary. 
do they do better things next year after after he has time to build out his system and his squad for sure. But Scotty mentioned that you know he'll get them defending well. They need good defenders to defend well. So there's a few you know there's a few things to iron out, and I think that. But, but fl- Nate, yeah, can, can can you say with all honesty right now with Ole as your coach for the rest of the season that you don't think Conte can have them finish higher than Manchester United with a hundred percent clarity? You can say that. It in my heart of hearts, United will finish top of tot- above Tottenham this year. You heard it here. This it, that's my opinion. Is, Let, it, is, it, is it your heart, your heart or your head saying it though? It's it's both. It's both. And I and I don't, I don't want to talk about United all night because we do that too often. <laughs> but, right. The unofficial United podcast. That that's right. Tuning in, gents. <laughs> I just don't. I just don't. I mean, I, I think I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it right now. In a few weeks' time, maybe maybe I can shift my opinion once Conte does his does what he does best. But just looking at Tottenham's performances and just looking and and again, Harry nailed it. Right, you've brought in a manager who has a track record of pissing off chairman and boards and systems and hierarchies. Mm. And and he's got you've brought him into a club where the chairman is the biggest <laughs> ego in the whole club. <laughs> so, uh, you know, every football club. I, I, I did say assuming that he can get along with him. <laughs> so, you know, look, Tottenham on paper are a magnificent football team. Conte on paper is a magnificent manager. But sometimes all of the ingredients don't make a great dish. So let's let's wait and see what happens, Scotty. Let's check in in a few weeks, see where they're lingering. Because right now, right now, Chelsea, City, Hammers, Scousers, Gunners, even United are above them in terms of where they're going to finish on the league. And they still sit below, what's that, Brighton and Wolves. Mm. They're sitting we're, below we're, Brighton we're and only, Wolves, mate. We're only arguing about one spot, Viv. Because all I'm saying is that I see Tottenham finishing higher than United. I've got the rest of that list in order. Yeah, but okay, hang on, okay. Scotty, you're the same guy who said Liverpool's not going to make the top four earlier this season. It, mate, you, you change got, your opinions. I picked, I, picked the, I picked the wrong red team, Harry. What do you want from me? <laughs> Arsenal look good, man. Arsenal, look, can we just give them some respect? Because, again, we hung, hung, hung shit on them for so many weeks. Yeah, well, Arsenal I mean, been, are looking good. have been waiting good. 12 years for some respect, Viv, so please lay it down. Uh, well, I, look, I'm, I'm not going to pump up all the, the Gunners' egos, <laughs> so you know, because we will hear about it for the next 20 years. Amen. But they just—I mean, they just look good. I watched the game, and I, I really enjoyed watching them play. And I really like Emil Smith Rowe. Like Smith Rowe, excuse me. He—he's he, really coming to some form. Last five games, he's got a, a few goals, a couple of assists, and and is really standing out in the midfield. I. I, I'm starting to like them. I don't mind watching them play football. I don't know about you boys. Do you know what's interesting? I, I was saying to an Arsenal supporter two weeks ago, and I don't know why I said this, but it just sort of it just came instinctively. He's like, geez, I don't like Arsenal at the moment. I don't like the way they're playing. Arteta's an idiot, blah, blah, blah. All the, all the stuff we've been saying for, for a long time. And I corrected him. And I go, mate, do you know what Arteta's doing right now? He's building a young team and he's grooming them into this this yeah. future potential uh, team of superstars, right? And I started to, to fire off their ages and talk about their potential, whatever. Mm. And then after about two minutes, I'm like, holy shit, I just convinced myself that Arsenal actually do have potential for the future. And, and you hit the nail on the head there, Viv. They've got a really young, dynamic squad. And, mm. and if you think about if these guys are nurtured the right way, there's no reason why they can't be top, top, footballers in a top team playing good football Mm. in the next two years. Maybe Arteta's job right now isn't to win anything in the present. Maybe his job is, you know, and and I'm not, I'm not comparing him to Fergie, settle down everyone, Mm. but maybe his job (laughs) is where where Fergie brought through the team of, you know, the class of 92, it took him years to to get through. Um, This could be something along those lines. And, 
Um, Scotty, I know you're sitting there with your calculator and your data and your statistics. Can you share something with us to, you know, to sort of counter that? Not, not on Arsenal, to be honest. Um, I've, I've been very impressed the last, well, God, probably six weeks. Um, they've, they've done really well. And uh, I think, Harry, you probably remember how much shit we put on them over the first three weeks. Well, and, I'm, I'm uh... just going to say now, Scotty, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we're going to have to cancel this program because um, our entire fan base are people who, who write to us by hand and say, we love your program. Thanks for ripping into Arsenal. Well, has, you know? has, I, I've, I've got a new goal for us, mate. What, what I want to do, right, we're always talking we're, we're going to get more Twitter followers than Arsenal have goals. But if, if we change that, if we change it to we can get more uh, Twitter followers then Man United get home points in the league, we might do it. <laughs> Viv, Jeez. save me, bro, please. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there just yet. But let's um, let's just give that last bit of juice. You know, there's if there's no there's no you know detailed statistics to dive into in the Arsenal hood, but they they're currently top, I think, four or five in terms of clean sheets. So Ramsdale. Is having a uh, is having a good season. I don't know if you guys saw the save he made on the on the weekend, but amazing, one of the best amazing. that I've seen in a long time. Yep. And and currently defensively, they're let me just have a look. They're fourth, so they're fourth in the league in clean sheets. Only Chelsea, City, and Liverpool um, have leaked more goals. Uh, have leaked less less goals. You so, might I mean, slap me for this, but when I saw that save, I thought of Peter Schmeichel. Yeah, you remember Schmeichel used to throw big big hands well, up. Yes, it was great. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, he's a great young keeper, mate. And I mean, but but it's not just the keeper making great saves. Like defensively, they're getting really sound and they that they look confident on the ball. I think one thing you can learn, and it might it might lead us into the United conversation, right? Is def- this the, if if we can just use this as a bit of a segue, the greatest football teams you'll ever watch play, and especially ones who are tactically sound, um, have that confidence building from the back. So when when they're on the ball and they're building out of defence and including the goalkeeper, you know Arsenal is starting to show some real poise on the ball, and I, I think that that's showing in their in their statistics defensively, and that's building them up for a young midfield to go and attack. And then you've got people like Orbar up the top who who can score goals. So I, I think you know, without, it's a good system. Without a shadow of a doubt, you've hit a nail on the head there, Viv. Mm. Um, Pep Guardiola's produced some of the best football teams in world history. Mm-hmm. And if you if you see any of the players that were managed under Pep Guardiola, they always talk about this system that he introduced. And and it's it's simply about moving the ball one touch, two touch, but playing it out. Yeah, it's all about play, Yeah. It's about playing it out. And and he would say, he goes, if the goalkeeper ever cleared the ball, he'd bench him the next day. It, yeah, it would never happen. It, it's all about having enough players in a system to to be open to receive the ball and and yep. then move. And and it's exactly like you said. It's beautiful football. You start on your end and you progress the ball up the field, however many passes it takes, however much movement it required. That's right. And and then and then once you're in the final third, your tactics change, and it's really about positioning yourself to get a shot on target. And as you know, we're, we're all sort of in the sales game here. It's all about the shots that you take to, to score. And, mm, and mm. It, I'm glad you raised that point because this is a perfect segue to talk about United and what United yep. haven't done against City. For, for me, that game against City, and, and we're not going to rant and complain because we've done that for a long time, but the game against City showed me something that United generally just have absolutely no idea from a tactical point of view how to play football. And, and, and I know that sounds strange, this is the, one of the biggest football clubs in the world, and the majority of their formation was lined up like a rugby league position throughout the game. 
Manchester City's dominance of United was not reflected on the scoreboard in any way, shape or form. And some, actually multiple people have said to me since the result, they go, mate, I promise you, Pep Guardiola said to the players, don't bang in too many goals because we want Oli to keep his job. And, and, <laughs> right? 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 I believe it. I've never, ever, ever seen dominance in football on that level before. And it really demonstrates the golfing class from a tactical point of view between Manchester City and between Manchester United. And my question to both of you gents around this discussion is, where do United go from here from a strategic point of view? Scotty, I'll let you go first, mate. Well, mate, in in terms of the game itself, I think it was an absolute masterclass from from Pep and City. I, I think... United were dominated more in that game than in the Liverpool game. I think the way that game played out, it was worse for United. City were just playing with them. It it was ridiculous. Um, In in terms of where United go from here, um, do do you know what they need? They need a goose hitting. They need someone to come in now and just steady the ship and get them through the season until they get to the end of the season and they can get their big manager. Because I think with, with Ole there, it's only going to get worse. I mean, that whole game, City fans were chanting Ole's name. Like, it's it's not okay for United to keep him in the job. Yeah, I, you guys are both bang on. And, you know, for me, there's a couple of really scary, scary takeaways from that game. F- firstly, City had 809 or something, over, over 800 passes to United's less than 500 right? They over 300 more touches of the football and they they were passing at 92% accuracy. Like just think about mentally, I mean, you guys have played football, being out there for 90 minutes chasing shadows, how demoralizing that is in front of 80,000 of your own fans for one. But the second point, from, I'm not going to go on about how bad we were system-wise because we know that we're, we're the system's done. Um, it, 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 it did absolutely show the, the confidence that the back you know, six almost, including when the the midfielders drop deep. From Aderson up, the confidence they have on the ball and the, te- the technical ability they have as a team, it just really shines. You, you never feel panicked when they're on the ball in their back half. When United have the ball in their back half, I'm dead set shitting bricks. I don't know if De Gea is going to do something dumb, Maguire is going to do something dumb, Aaron Wan-Bissaka is going to do something dumb. It, it's, 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 a, it's a horror show. And so the, the, the last thing that I'll add is, when Phil Foden was interviewed after the game, and I actually I had to smile because I loved watching them play. I actually enjoyed watching City destroy us because it was actually, as a, as a purist, it was incredible football to watch. It was class. But Foden said, we, we came out at halftime, we were 2-0 up, and we knew we just had to own the game. We had to control the game. And boy, did they do that. They didn't need to score more goals. They just wanted to keep, they just kept the ball. And it was, it was, it was they went into that locker room at halftime and Pep said, Okay, this is yours now. Now you keep this. Now you you now you make them suffer, okay. and that's what they did. I, I, look, I've I've got a couple of points on the game that that really stood out for me, um, and I don't know if you guys noticed them, but the way that Man City stretched that back three into a back five and just made so much space. Foden had an unbelievable game, Nate, and he did, mate. And, mate, he was phenomenal. So was Cancelo, uh, absolute freak. Um, but one thing that really stood out for me was the fact that uh, United had something like four touches in the opposition box. That was it, the entire game. And they were like, all in the last minute. domination. 
Yeah, you're, yeah. you're spot on. And they were all very late. And Scotty, you could that's the, the best point of the show this week, mate, because if you looked at the first five minutes of that game, it was like a chainsaw massacre, the way that they pulled our back three into a concrete deep-lying back five. And Ollie just doesn't have what it takes to, to see that and go, oh, shit, we're, we're, being, we're being pulled apart and, and adjusting the system. I don't know, mate, what you, what you saw. It, it was phenomenal. I, I watched the whole game and I haven't seen a game like it ever. Um, one other thing that stood out for me was the fact that Pep made no substitutions. In that game, Pep did not make a change the entire game. It's incredible, game. isn't it? It's guys. So, sorry to to try and pull you back on track. We've just spent five minutes talking about shit that we swore we wouldn't talk about. Um, I'm talking about Man City, not Man United, Harry. Yeah, yeah I think we, we're focusing on City's positives. We, to be honest, we, we all took an oath to never talk about Manchester City, didn't we? I thought that was Scotty. That was the deal. Um, mate, I, I go for teams in blue. That's, that's just what boys, I do, mate. I'm, I'm telling you now. We, we every week we kind of highlight a player. Look at go look at Ilkay Gundogan's movement. Uh, it, it it was absolute poetry. I, I mean, Foden got the laudits, right? Foden had an incredible game. Cancelo, amazing game. But just watching the way that Gundogan drifted into space and just basically, it was like watching Scott McTominay. He was like the young teenage boy chasing around the hot girl. You know what I mean? Like just trailing around, always five steps behind. You know, it was it was it was yeah, it was beautiful to watch. I, I, I just want to um, sorry, I just want to point out one thing that you said, Viv, which I think um, you know deserves a lot of respect, and that is they walked into the dressing room like you said at halftime, and Pep said to him, "Go and own this game." That was their that was their you know their structure, their philosophy. That's what they wanted to do, and they did mm. it. And the psychological impact of achieving that at Old Trafford is going to have huge ramifications for City's yeah. season. Uh, mate, uh, even when they lost to Chelsea in that European Cup final, which they should not have lost, let's be real. Mm. But that was a mental game. That was a psychological game that they lost. Mm. And 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 for a manager to have that much poise to say, guys, don't score another goal. Go and control the game. And for them to, to co- execute on that vision... This is, you know, this is where we're talking about mastery of football here. You know, that this is, um, it, it really is, it's beautiful. And it's sad that we're talking about this as United fans, but you've got to, you've got to give City credit. You've got to give Guardiola credit and these extraordinary number of players. And Scott, I'll, I'll give you the last point, And then I want to ask this really, really good hypothetical question to round up the show. Go on. Mate, I just, I just want to ask what happened on that second goal? Like, is, is it Shaw? Is it Maguire? Is it De Gea? Nah, is it all three Gea. of them? Like, it's that goal should never have gone in. Can I give you the Can I give you the biggest myth in in world football? And yeah. that is that that is that David De Gea is or David De Gea, excuse me, to our Spanish listeners, David De Gea. He he he's not the best goalkeeper in the world. He he the 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 inability to command his box, and it's been evident since we signed him. Right, he he gets a lot of laudits for being a shot stopper. But a lot of the times that he he is an an, an effective shot stopper, he's standing still and uses his body. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed that, but if you watch him, yes, he's agile. But that 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 second goal, he needs to be hollering at those two idiots in front of him and taking control of his box and collecting that ball. It was all De Gea's fault. Let's move on. I'm I'm just going to get upset again. Yeah, I've got a scroll of items to discuss about United's negatives, which I won't. So let's let's just move on because we end up, you know, damaging our um, our brand, and and we have you know 14 listeners out there at the moment, and they're just going to get the shit. So let me, guys. I, I've been thinking about this randomly, right? I thought, okay, well, 
there's so much activity happening at the moment with new managers coming through. A lot of these teams are starting to to bounce back in form. Um, wouldn't it be great if if FIFA sort of came out tomorrow and said, "Hey, everyone, we're, we're allowing every club in Europe one transfer in November. You're allowed one. You're allowed to sign one player um, from any team you like. You obviously, got to go through the whole protocol of what they're worth and the rest of it. But every player is around. Every club is allowed one transfer in November." I want your opinions on six clubs and we'll go through them one by one um, because I, I really feel that one player now could make a huge difference to the remainder of this season. And I want to start with Arsenal. If you could sign one player in November for Arsenal to strengthen that team, considering their new form, who would it be? Scotty, I'll start with you and why? Erling Haaland, because he's the best striker in the world. <laughs> I'm sorry, Scott. Let me remind and, and, and just emphasize the word realistic. Realistic. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, for Arsenal, look, I my biggest issue with Arsenal from the beginning, they kind of solved a bit in that in that first window, uh, or or kind of the end of the first window, which was their defense. Um, I'd love to see another midfielder come in because I just. Jaka's got nothing. I, I don't rate him yeah. at all, and I think that's that's what they need most. Um, there's a list of names I could rattle off. I would like Declan Rice is, is obviously going to be the first name on that list. Don't even go club. there, mate. Like for every club, and uh, I can't wait to see him in blue next year. It's going to be phenomenal. So, so uh, you you know you rambled on for four minutes. Who's my answer is Declan Rice. My answer is okay. Declan Thank Rice because awesome. he's the best holding midfielder in the world. Fantastic, at the Viv. Yeah, it's going to be hard for the Gunners to sign Declan Rice when he's going to United. So, I mean, <laughs> could, I mean, Arsenal. I have, I have to agree. I think, um, I think maybe a deeper lying midfielder, um, or, or someone a bit more box to box, could suit their system. I, I, I must admit, I, I, I haven't thought about this a lot before the show. So, if I'm thinking an an, an acquirable deeper lying midfielder, um, you know, is, is it a Calvin Phillips? Or uh, you know, someone of that ilk. Um, I don't know. Chumane, has got some big raps on him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think, yeah. Again, if if I just had to go off the cuff, it's someone who brings a bit more steel um, midfield wise. I agree on the Xhaka point. Yeah, I will agree with both of you. I, I definitely think they need a holding midfielder. Um, and realistically, I think what Arsenal have done really well over the years is they they tend to pluck someone out of Europe that no one's really heard about and and really, you know, put them on a on a different stage in the Premier League. So I think there's there's great talent out there in Europe um, as a holding midfielder. I don't think they can get Declan Rice for, for a number of reasons, but definitely that's that's a position they need and that's a player I think they should sign. Uh, Manchester United, who would you sign in November and why, Viv? You can start. There's only one question. There's only one answer and I would pay whatever money. So when we go to West Ham to make an offer for Declan Rice... They're whatever they want. If 150 million pounds. Pay it. Okay. Pay it. I, I, I'm just going to flat out agree with you on that because that's <laughs> the most obvious thing no, on earth. Look, jokes there's, there's aside. A huge issue. <laughs> He's coming to Chelsea to play with Mason Mount. No, but Scotty, we're asking, right? Let, let's remember this is realistic. If it wasn't realistic, what I would say from the get go is Newcastle United should sign Diego Armano Maradona. Because who cares that he's dead? Let's just let's just play this silly game, right? 
Okay, realistically, can Declan Rice go from West Ham to Manchester United? Yes. No Why? Question. Manchester United is a bigger club. They'll pay him more money. He's got a better chance of winning serious trophies in the future. He can have a strong impact on the team. He'll make... I mean, it just goes on and on and on. It is realistic. Whether it happens me, is a different story. So. Let me throw you some. Let me throw you some real quick stats to, as to why Declan Rice. Now, look, let's not be idiots. You're not going to pay 150 million quid for him, but would you pay 100 million pounds for him? There is yes. no doubt in my mind. Currently in the league, he leads the league in blocks, interceptions, passing accuracy, possession one, successful passes, and tackles one. He's first and boyish good one works. of those categories. Like this guy, and he's starting to add creativity and goals to his to his locker. Pay, pay the man. Pay the man. Amen. Scotty, who would you sign and why? N'Golo Kante. Okay. I, I think, as you boys probably know, I think he's absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. I think he's probably the best holding midfielder in the world overall. And uh, I think yep. that's obviously the position we all agree that you guys need. Yep. Yep. Um, you only want to sell him. You only want to sell him so you can buy rice. <laughs> <laughs> Viv's caught me out. He's caught me out. <laughs> Genius. No, on, I, 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 that's a, it's a good. I, you know, I, I can't disagree with that. As stupid as it sounds, um, United. But you know, United but, don't buy African players anyway, mate. Well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, let me just announce something. I am now officially the only non-racist on the show. I had to drag up Scotty's those early. Let's bring up those early podcasts, Harry. <laughs> Mate, they've been purged. Okay? If, purged. if Conte was, if Conte was, uh, what four or five years younger, yeah, then you know what, he's he's pound for pound, he's the same as Declan Rice. Look, I'll I'll I'll, I'll give Conte his respect. I'd still think he's. I mean, yeah, Declan Rice is on fire right now, and all the rest of it. Conte's just on a different level for me. I, I love him a bit, so yeah, I, I, it's hard. To, it's hard to separate. They, they are different. You're right for the future and all the rest of it. Declan Rice, and there's that natural British inflation that goes onto any British player's transfer fee. So, you know, Declan Rice, if he was African like Conte, thank you. Now <laughs> I'm racist. He'd probably be worth about forty. Um, all right, let's move on to Leicester, or is it Leicester, Scotty? Leicester. Leicester City? Yep. Um, November, one transfer. Who would it be and why? Go. Fuck, I really wish I'd put more thought into this. Um, All right, well, I'll go to Viv while you think about it. Nathan, who do you reckon? <sighs> uh, look, you know, it's Leicester are funny because on paper they're pretty balanced, right? Um, I think they've got... they've got. I mean, Vardy in, in Ihanecho. Is it a striker? Is it another striker in case Vardy gets hurt? Um They've got another young fella coming through, they've and then got, defensively, got you've there. got kind of yeah. Mm. It's definitely not in midfield for Leicester. It's it's maybe it's maybe another centre half, um, or maybe it's a backup striker who can get some production. That that's where my head goes, but I'm not sure who's on the who's on the market to come in and play that role for them at the moment. Yeah, but, no, I know. I know. I've really sort of put you on the spot there, but I'm just trying to think. You know, if you could, if you were in the shoes of the manager and you can strengthen your squad with one player. Um, where would it be? Sort of what position on the field? Yeah, but I'm I'm surprised has because they, they could probably do with a fullback. Yeah, yeah, it's a good shout. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually that's what I was going to suggest. Um, when they lost Chilwell, I felt that you know their game has changed quite a lot since then. They've they've got great players. Let's be real. They've they've got a lot of talent on the field, but I think a, a fullback would would really really suit them now, or even Lampty. a centre back to build for the future. Yeah. Oh, Lamptey's just yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, he's he's not that's, a bad. That's yeah. my call. 
Yeah, no, that's. I'll, I'll just back your call, Scotty. That's what I do here. I just jump on the bandwagon. <laughs> All right, let's let's talk about the interesting ones now. Newcastle United. You've got one player to sign in November. It's the start of your renaissance. You've got all the money in the world. You've got blood all over your hands. Pick your player. Go, Nathan. You need a big name. You need someone who will move for money. Uh, you need someone who can do things exciting on the pitch and get the owners pumped up. You know, thinking about free agents. Oh, Usmana Dembele from Barcelona. You know, I'm, I'm starting to think, you know, even Paul Pogba. I know that's a bit of a random one, but who's who's off contract, loves the show, loves some cash, and isn't really that loyal to their club. You know, can I? Would you go throw I, money at Paul Pogba? Yeah, probably. Can I? Can I just? I'm just going to throw my one and then I'll go to Scott, okay? Yeah. If The Kingdom of Saudi Arabia sounds better if it was called the Kingdom of Kylian Mbappe. And I'm sure <laughs> from a legal point of view, they would officially change the name. Should he sign? No and I chance, think they should man. just go they should just go all out and say, Listen, mate, we'll give you the country. Just come to Newcastle nah, United. He's going to he's going to one place, mate. Sorry, has, Scotty. Has taken the words words out of my mouth there because I'm I'm telling you, it's either Holland or Mbappe. And to, to Harry's yeah. point from a, a few weeks ago, they can throw whatever money they want. <laughs> Everyone's got a number. And I argued with him at the time, but I've come around. Everyone's got a number. A million pound a week. No worries. Here you go. <laughs> the only reason I genuinely... I, I, I'm being serious about this, Viv, right? I, I actually think there's a sniff of a chance. The only reason I'm saying that is because his contract's about to run out. So so this is no longer a position of the clubs in you know interjecting and saying, mate, you're dreaming. This is now about a player can make a decision on his future because he's not tied to anyone. And mate, every I'm telling you, everyone's got a price. You know, all you have to do is look at Scotty and his extracurricular activities. Boys, boys, boys. Go into that. boys, boys, boys. Can we just let's just we're 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 in dreamland. If Killian Mbappe signs for Newcastle United. I will do something stupid live on air next show. You can choose whatever you want me to do because there is no way in hell he chooses Newcastle over Real Madrid. You guys right. are both as high as kites. Get off whatever you're right, smoking. Look, look if, if, if I have to pick an answer that's not Mbappe or Haaland, and I promise you I think they should throw every pay the guy £380 billion, I don't care. <laughs> but if I can't pick them, I'm going back to my call that I originally made for Newcastle three or four weeks ago, whenever it was, mm. and I'm going with Eden Azad. See, now you're talking sense. Ooh, okay, okay. They're going to pick up someone, they're going to pick up a big name who's off the boil. They're not going to pick up the, 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 the best striker slash equal best striker <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> So back to reality. Well done, Scotty. You know, if I, if I were them, being realistic, I would I would go after just an absolute goal poacher. I'd, I'd go after someone in Europe at the moment who's scoring a lot of goals, who's yeah. comfortable in front of goals, who has really strong hold-up play as well. Because, I mean, let's be real, there's a lot of work to do at Newcastle if you're going to receive the ball on a counter-attack or something. Mm. I, I'd go after that sort of caliber of player. In my head, I'm thinking sort of a younger Lukaku. Um you know, hey Taz, you know who you know who would be the best signing for Newcastle United? Go on, it's Jesse Lingard, mate. Oh, mate, absolutely. There's no perfect, doubt in my mind. Perfect. He needs first team football. He he can create. He can score. He'd go there because he'd be loved. He he, you know, the time he spent at West Ham with you know that deep emo- emotive kind of fan base. Mm-hmm. That if I was if I was the Saudi Arabian you know prince or whatever he is, Lingard is a great signing. 
you get him you get him right and he can start to re- you can rebuild around him anyway sorry mate you know it's not hard to be a saudi arabian prince you only have to kill about 10,000 people on we go scotty go on <laughs> what what about vlahovic from um Fiorent- fiorentina serbian um, 21 scotty, year again, giant striker scotty that's strike 3 I don't know what a Fiorentina is, and I don't know, I don't know how a... to say the fucking hey, name. <laughs> That's what the family's from, bro. Fiorentina is. Fiorent. You know why? Do you know why we called soccer PM? Because we've got no fucking clue what we're talking about, right? Don't don't start dwelling Mate, into Vlahovic other leagues, Scotty. Is fucking a freak. <laughs> He's such a good fucking striker, you idiot. Uh, all right all right let's move on let's move on to spurs we've spoken for a long time that spurs practically have no midfield at the moment is that an obvious one to sign a um you know a a luka modric type player in in the midfield and start to regain some control um and and i'll just start i would i would go absolutely crazy to get um to get n'golo kante there like i just go nuts because you know chelsea looks like they've got that those sort of positions covered for the future. They've got a lot of depth. I reckon for the right fee, Chelsea would offload him and he'd be perfect for Spurs. I'd go more box to box. I'd go more rather than someone more deep lying because they've got, uh, what was it, Huyberg? I think he can sit deeper. Um, for me, it's like a Marco Verratti. I'd, I'd go a battler. They need some They need some fire in there. And I mean, I love Marco Verratti. I think he's he's super class. I mean, he, he's very close with the PSG you know, way of life, but that's the kind of player they need. They need the guy that's going to come in with some absolute fire and battle box to box. That's who I'd go. Scott, anyone I'm, in mind? I'm going to hate the name that comes out of my mouth because I genuinely never want Chelsea to lose him. Jorginho? Like Conor, no, Conor Gallagher. Oh, he can, play, he can play eight. He can play ten. He's one for the future, and he's an absolute freak. I agree with you. in it, And this is probably the first and only time I ever will agree with you, Scott. You're absolutely right. Conor Gallagher's a freak, and I reckon he's he's one for the future, man. I reckon if Spurs got him, they're set forever. Um, last team, boys, is West Ham. They're playing great football. They're they're absolutely on fire. Scotty, I know you've got a, a notepad full of statistics you want to share with us about them. Who would you sign at West Ham and why? And then you can share some stats. Go on, Scott. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to go back to striker because they've got um... – They've, they've got some players in there, man, but if they could get an absolutely world-class striker, um, someone to partner Antonio, because they've, um, they've been playing a two at the front. If they can get someone like world-class to partner Antonio, I think that, that would transform the team completely. Can I just give another shout-out to Jared Bowen? Because he's on a completely different level, in my opinion. I think he's, he's incredible. Well, anyway. it's about time, though, because the guy, I think he'd only scored one goal in 14 years prior. So <laughs> it's about Wait, time we... to be down some form. <laughs> We're talking about the same player here. Yeah, J- J- Jared Bowen. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great footballer, but I, I think he's scored. He's, go and check his numbers. He, he, it's, he's been long overdue, has. Yeah, but you know who used to score a lot of goals? Anthony Martial. And how good is he? Yeah, it's no, garbage. Harry, it's that's, garbage. that's Marshall, mate. It's Anthony <laughs> Marshall. Marshall. I'm, I'm just saying Jared Bowen, is, he has always played a good supporting role and he's starting to contribute. I'm not, I'm not hacking on him. I'm just saying, to, to, I think to, to Scotty's point, they need it. They need it. And if they're going to play a 4-4-2, they need another striker. But what, what West Ham need is they need someone to replace Declan Rice when he leaves. That's what, that's what they need. Because <laughs> they're going to be bottom four as soon as he leaves. So they, they, need, they need a defensive midfielder. <laughs> Gents, I, I just received a notification from a um, 
animal watch group and uh, they're putting us on notice. Scotty, you've got to go and feed that dog that's been barking all this time. And I think on that, we'll <laughs> wrap up the show. I know just, we went over time, boys. Just before we do, but... oh, I just, I just want to Scotty. point out, West Ham in 2021, the calendar year, not the season, West Ham have the most points outside of Chelsea and City earned. More than Liverpool, more than United. Mm-hmm. That's phenomenal. They yeah, are. They're right. you know, can, can I just say something now that Scotty's ruined my perfect ending to the show, right? We're just going <laughs> to end it by me saying goodbye, everyone, okay? But do you know what Scotty does? We finish every single show. Mm-hmm. We hang up. And we go, geez, guys, that was great. Yeah. And then Scott's like, oh, let me tell you some stats. We spend the next 30 fucking minutes talking through the greatest statistics on earth. And I'm like, Scott, you wanker. Mate, I told, you I, had, I told you I had West Ham stats before the show. You never Scotty, threw to me on West listen, Ham. Listen to me. When you replay this, you will listen to my fucking cues where I said the word, give me some stats, like five or six separate times. And what do you do? You interrupt my fucking outro to drop them. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. It's been fun. Let's do this next week. I know there's international games, but let's catch up next week because there's probably a lot more shit that we can talk about. Yeah, you, so. know, you know what we're going to talk about next week, right? I, I know, Viv. I, Viv, I hope Scotty, you know what we're talking about next week. <laughs> bring your bring your boxing gloves. We're going to talk about the mighty Paul Skulls, mate. Mate, Ooh. I've had it ready for three weeks to tell you Let's why Lampard is better. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do All it. Right. Let's do it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week on Soccer PM. Take Peace. Care. Later, guys. Oh, thank you. <laughs>